Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your host. I am Pastor David. We have Pastor Caesar Yo. and James. Hey, hey. How you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah. Yeah, doing good. I tell you, um, I've had a pretty cool, pretty cool little uh, weekend, I guess, at the last minute. We decided that we was going to go hit the snow. All right. Oh, did y'all do it? Yeah, so we left. Uh, we had a little birthday thing on Saturday. Got done with that about 9.30 at night mm-hmm. and headed to Waco mm. and got a little Airbnb out there and then woke up the next morning and played in the snow. I didn't even follow up, so it did end up snowing? I mean, it snowed hard in Waco. Like, How much did it snow? I mean, on the ground, there were s- several inches, uh-huh. which is, you know, for Waco was a lot. Yeah, it's a big deal. And did y'all know that y'all were going to hit snow whenever y'all went? Yeah, so that was the whole thing, was just to go up there and, and just play in the snow. Snow day. Yeah, so yeah. it was cool. Um, it was just my little one, Noah. Uh, Luke had a, some video game stuff that he was like had with his friends or something, so he stayed home and did the whole video game th- all night long deal. Yeah, and yeah. So we went up there, man. We had a good time. Uh, my son and his wife and, and my grandkids were up there. Uh, so we had a good time. Other than leaving here at 9 o'clock, uh, there was a wreck on the way. Uh, so we spent an hour just stopped on the freeway. We didn't get there until almost 2 o'clock in the morning. Isn't Waco's? Oh, you left 9 at night. 9 at night, yeah. Yeah, that's different. And Waco was supposed to be like four hours away. It's like to be. three in a, in a piece, yeah. I think it's one of those ones that's supposed to be like three or so, but it never ends it up. Never ends it's up like good. for me, like driving to Austin, anytime I randomly do that, people are always like, Oh yeah, it doesn't take very just long. over two hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm always like, no, it's minimum three. If you're lucky. Yeah. And you know, you stop once you got to stop at Bucky's. Right. You know, and then anyway, it always ends up, ends up taking me like four and a half hours or something. Well, it's like those people, right. That are always like, yeah, I'm five minutes away. It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're, <laughs> you're 45 minutes away on my way. Yeah. On my, <laughs> on the way. That means you haven't left yet. So <laughs> you're still in bed getting your socks on. It's, right. Yeah. Everything's like, yeah, we're, we're like five minutes away. No, you're not. Dude, I'm like the opposite of that. I'm all, if you say, Hey, how far are you? I'll say I'm about six minutes. I'll give you the exact minute. I'm 12 minutes away and I'm, I'm like 80% accurate. Yeah. I tell 85%. you 85%. I'm pretty accurate with that. The snow is up there was it was it was pretty it was awesome but on the way back it snowed its hardest. Mm-hmm. You were uh, driving through it. Oh man, and there was like maybe 20 or 30 wrecks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, when it snows in places like this where it doesn't usually snow, nobody knows what to do. Man, and it was just... rough cuz the speed limit is 75, so people yeah. are trying to do 75. Yeah, no. And we're doing 45. Mm-hmm. And it felt fast, yeah. yeah. You know, and then somebody would pass me, and I would just like, "Oh, they're gonna wreck!" And then a few miles ahead, they they yeah. are off in the ditch, you yeah. know. So especially around these areas, like James is talking about, especially in Houston, whenever we just get just like a small little mm-hmm. rain shower, people lose their minds. They yeah. forget how to drive. They oh, they don't yeah. even know where they're going. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Houston's terrible traffic. You know. It, Houston's ter- traffic's terrible in the come on Houston in the sunny weather. Like come on, like if you're yeah. going slow, get in the slow lane. Going fast, get in the fast lane. Just keep it moving. I don't know about you, but I I like I, whenever I I'm on the road and I see a driver and they just do something dumb. In my mind, at that moment, I just like I go through their entire life. I go like, <laughs> this is the kind of worker they are. Uh-huh. This is the this is the kind of spouse they see, are. I used they to do no that. insurance. These are like, the kind of know, kids they raise. You know, we've all done it. At 
at some point you pulled out, you shouldn't have pulled out, and you know, like, as you're pulling out, like, you're like, oh, oh, you know, my but you bad. gotta go, you know, we've all done it. We'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done it there. And well, I've had to apologize. Yeah, you, you know. I'm gonna tell on myself real quick. So I was over here by the church, and I was coming on my way to the church, and there's like this four way stop that's over here around this side. And I won't get into the street names or whatever, but there's a four way stop. So anyway, I'm, I'm going, just minding my own business. Well, I just I accidentally cut somebody off right and they're right here in this neighborhood and then uh, so I'm right in front of them and I already feel like a jerk because it was a mistake you know mm-hmm. I, and I acknowledge that but uh, I just felt so convicted at that moment because I was coming to church yeah you know so I uh, instead of turning right and coming into the parking <laughs> lot <laughs> oh yeah I went left and I went into the <laughs> I went into this neighborhood over here until they passed because you know what I didn't want to be somebody's excuse to be like you know, that's why I yeah, don't go to they, church right. they're sitting in the car behind you going this is what kind of worker this guy is yeah, he's inconsiderate this, oh this is the church he goes to they're probably all oh. like that jerks yeah you know, I that, actually heard um uh, Osteen talked about it one time. He said he was at a Walmart and when he opened his door. Is that old or young? The young. And a piece of paper flew out of his car and he kind of sit down and shut his door. And he was just like, nah, I got to go get it. So he opened his door back and he went and got the paper and he's come back and the, the guy next to him rolled his window down. He goes, all right, Pastor, I was just going to see if you going to get that paper. <laughs> so you yeah, never man. know who's watching, especially when you hold the leadership position. Yeah. Everybody knows you. You mm-hmm. might not know everybody, you know, but they know who you are. Oh, they're still they're still killing Lakewood over closing the doors during Harvey. Oh, I mean, yeah. like even right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's my kids are always talking about well, everybody thinks they know me, they know me, you know. And I'm just <laughs> You like, don't know me. <laughs> you know that guy, blah, blah, blah. They're usually talking about Willie, you know. <laughs> He's over there pinching me in my cheeks and telling me this <laughs> and that. <laughs> I told you about that time Willie gave me candy with worms in it. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to shot my water through my he, nose. He, he used to always hand out candy. He probably still does. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was like the fun part if you were a kid over a big church. At some point, Willie would come up and give you some candy. And you'd be like, oh, this is cool. And then one time he did that to me, and it was like some little Reese's peanut butter cups, like the mini ones. And I opened it up, and I just bit half of it. <laughs> and I, I was looking at it as I was chewing it, and I saw a bunch of like tiny little holes oh, in it. Goodness. And I was like, Hmm, that's weird. Why is there holes in this? And then I saw a white little maggoty oh. thing like sticking out of one of them, and I had just eaten half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so did you swallow? I had already swallowed it. It was too oh, late. Oh wow! And uh, I never Slimy. took any candy from Willie again. <laughs> you gotta take hard candy from him. Yeah, I guess. But how long had he been holding on to that candy for? Like, <laughs> You know, I, I, that candy was from the old church. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be one of those old dudes that I'm always gonna have like butterscotch or something like to yeah, give away right. or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's cool. You you're always cool with the kids, you know. Yeah, until you give them worms. And <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want any more candy from Willie anymore. Well, we got a great show for you guys today. We're gonna talk about uh, am I saved and then what? You know, and I think that there's a lot of questions. A lot of times, you know, um, are we saved? Especially when you first get saved, did I re- did, did I really do it? And mm-hmm. then, what if uh, I didn't? Or or like uh, now, what do I do? You know, we're gonna jump right into culture corner. All right. Well, we normally don't do this, but I'm just gonna do it anyways. 
we've had kind of a crazy week in culture. We got people stampeding the Congress building, people getting shot. We have, uh, I mean, what else? What else is going on? You know, we got probably the most polarizing person in modern history as a president right now. Uh, They're trying to pull the 25th Amendment on him, saying that he's not stable physically or mentally, that they're going to, you know, um, impeach him seven days or whatever it is right before he's he's coming out uh all over some some agenda it's just a a weird time in in culture right now that's just insult to injury i mean like i get it you hate him right that that, the the one party hates him and it's like and they're just like you know kicking him when he's down or putting salt on the wound you know insult to injury yeah and and it's like well you know that's it looks real petty it does look real yeah. petty, and, and it, whatever side that you're on, um, it's just one of those things where, like, just shut up, put your head down, and let's just get this last week out of the way. Uh, I was talking to James before. It's gonna, it's one of those bittersweet things. Like, uh, if you if you don't agree with the left, um, you have you know a long four years coming. Uh, but at the same time, you feel like maybe that you can take a breath and maybe something can start happening and doing because over the last four years, you know, it's been a roadblock. Nobody wanted to do anything mm-hmm. except their agenda. There was no, um, you know, partnership on, on the sides of both parties. Uh, so it's just been a, a crazy, crazy last four years. Uh, and I'm just... I am not fearful of what the future brings, but I know that the future can bring some very um, concerning things as far as faith. Yeah. You know, uh, when you bring when you bring some of the stuff in the left that wants to do and they've already said that they, they want to do it. Um, I know that, you know, there's a there's a lot of Christians that, that are Democrats and I'm not here to put Democrats down, but it's just some of the things that they're wanting to do. Um, as far as the Christian faith that concerns me, so yeah, yeah, you definitely have to, um, you know, in a church, you have to be careful because uh, you, you don't want to split a congregation right. because it's that's not what we're supposed to be doing. A lot of people think that the church has a should have an active role in politicking and campaigning behind a certain candidate and all that, but you know what? A, a, a functioning church has to have people from all walks of life, all different perspectives, because that that's what a church is. If not you just have a social group then you right. have an, you have an interest group. If you just are around people that uh, look like you talk like you walk like you and uh, believe just like you. And you know, that's, that's not God. That's not grace of God. The grace of God is going to put people together that are diametrically opposed. And those two pieces of iron are going to sharpen each other. That's right. And, uh, but we just have to have grace on the other side and, and pray for that grace from them, from us, because, you know, everybody always wants to take this position of, of, uh, elevated morals as if I have arrived, I know what I'm talking about. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm willing, I'm always willing to hear and always willing to evolve and progress and learn, you know, because, um, you know, if, if, if anybody actually really had it uh you know perfect knowledge and perfect realizations of things well then their life would demonstrate it and i definitely don't see that from either side yeah and the problem right now is on both sides 
that they're holding such a, a hard line that it's pushing each other further and further out. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> so it's almost like, you know, when you do uh, marriage counseling or something, then you're sitting there and this relationship's broken and uh, they can't come together. And you listen to the story and you hear the the man saying she, 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 and the he, and then she's going he, he, he. And then we have to figure out it's somewhere in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where we, we, we've, we've forgotten politics. It's somewhere in the middle. Now we're pushed so far on both sides. We have two groups of radicals mm -hmm. and we, we have to find somewhere in the middle that we can come together, that we can uh, build laws for, uh, and, and bills and stuff like that to, for the betterment of the country, yeah. not a betterment of a purpose of an individual. Yeah, I would love to see some term limits on some of these congressmen. Yeah. You know, it's and judges, uh, all those, all those people that really need to be able to, run them through a little bit more just to get some, yeah. some stuff done. Yeah. And I'm definitely not against people going out there and getting, you know, securing the bag yeah. and all that. But whenever all these elected officials, you know, they're all making six, seven figures, uh, maybe not from that, but from definitely their constituents and those kind of things that bothers me. We had the same conversation. If a church, right. Yeah. If your minister doesn't look like the church, then there's an issue. Yeah. Well, our elected representatives don't look anything like the people that they represent. And that, that's, you know, I heard somebody talking about it. I think that at the end, the end of, um, some of these terms that these people are holding these positions, you shouldn't be worth more than whatever you get paid. Right. Um, and not saying that you can't grow your money into, um, in the stock market or those type of things. But, uh, you know, some of the, you know, these crazy money that's coming from speaking engagements and you're yeah. making a half a million dollars for it in speaking engagements. Yeah. I like heard that. a good, uh, or an interesting point of view. They were saying the, uh, that the president should make a lot more money. Cause right now, what do they make? It's like. It's in the hundreds of thousands. It's less yeah, than it's not it's not some crazy amount, but it yeah, did. Yeah. But they were the person that was writing this article or whatever was saying that they think the president should make like several million for being the president because when you hmm. when you're already I guess limiting their money for that position, it encourages them to do all these different things that like like David was saying, all the speaking engagements. It it encourages you to take money from other people for their agenda. Cause that's how they make the bulk of their money is right. by like having other people sponsor them and then like endorsing their opinion for stuff. And so they were saying, I think that the president should make, you know, a few million. I mean, he's the leader of the free world. Like he should make some money. And then if you gave him more money for just doing his job, he'd be less inclined to take endorsements from other people. To true. Make money. True. I just pulled it up right now. And it says that the, let's see, former presidents, they do receive a pension after they get out of there. And it's, uh, let's see, as of 2020, it is 219 and $200, $219,200. Which, I for, mean, that's a, a lot of money. Per year for life. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But, I mean, a lot of people, if they were just, did their own company or something, like, they'd make more than that easy in a year. And so, then you're asking people, like, take a pay cut to, like, be the president and yeah, that's what Trump said. What, yeah. do you, what do you think about the White House? They ask him. He goes, eh, it's a nice place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, check it out. In the first, even the president's spouse, they get a lifetime pension, too, of 20 grand. There you go. That's interesting. Mm. 20 grand, man. Yeah, I think it's, it's just one of those things. It's, 
it's real dicey, you know. Um, what are, what are my biggest issues? We just came out of, um, you know, we got the stimulus package or whatever, and every every person in the United States got the six hundred dollars or whatever. You got it? I didn't get it. <clears throat> I didn't get it either. But I got uh, it and spent it. That was it's for <laughs> it's for other reasons. That I, was right when my van broke and all that stuff. Right, <laughs> my phone um, broke. You know, we're sending billions of dollars, you know, across the world, and we're giving the American people six hundred dollars a piece. And I know, listen, I know we have to pay countries and stuff like that to occupy bases and different things there. So it is important that we we uh, we give money out and, and and aid and different things like that because we um, we throw our weight around. You know, mm-hmm. U.S. definitely throws their weight around, and they they go into countries probably sometimes when they shouldn't. And uh, so we have to pay for that type of stuff. You can't just have all that for free. But at the same time, when you're going through a pandemic worldwide, mm-hmm. we, it's time to take care of our people. You yeah. know, it, it's it's really time for us to look within and take care of us first and then, you know, give leftovers to uh, the rest. But it seems like it was just the opposite this time. But. I don't know. We normally don't get into a whole lot of politics, but I think it's definitely relevant. We're about to change over. We're about to change over presidents. Uh, we've been through just a wicked, wicked time over the last couple months, and um, you know, there's talks about blackouts and different things like that that might happen um, when you know they're trying to get information out and different things like that. So. I think uh, uh, fear is a big thing right now yeah. in the American people. Um, they don't know what's going to happen. The the fear of uncertainty, the fear of, you know, um, a different party taking over. Yeah. But what I would say is just listen, keep your eyes on God. Uh, keep 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 your um, your focus on him. You know, there, there's we can't rely on politicians for our faith right and you know not to get into the conspiracy episode like you know but um but you know people say well do you think that there's a shadow government going on and this and that and it's like look um and we addressed a little bit about that in that episode if you haven't heard it go go listen to it sal killed it um but here's the thing about power power corrupts yeah right and absolute power corrupts absolutely Mm-hmm. And we thrive on that as humanity. You know, humans love power, the pursuit of power, gaining power, and exercising power over others. We have a whole, we have history books that show that. Yeah. That's not a conspiracy. You know, and uh, the people with power want to keep it fact. Yeah. So uh, just like you said, we have to keep our eye on the Lord, and uh, you know, and just just really just trust that His process is working out that his will is still happening even though it might not look like bunnies and rainbows for us uh we know that at the end of it all uh we still win yeah you know and that's that, i think that's where we have to keep it central and focused and um i, I kind of cringe um during election years ever since becoming a christian because you get everybody every prophet coming out of the woodworks and dropping prophecies and this and that and, uh, you know, hey, well, you got a 50-50 shot, so, right? I mean. <laughs> Sandra and I was just talking about that. So, Noah kind of, he rode up with uh, Adam and Victoria and Sebastian to, to Waco. And then, uh, it was so, just me and her. So, we had four and a half hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, man, we had just, you know, I don't know how other relationships are. But Sandra and I relationship is just, I mean, awesome, crazy 
I mean, just dynamic. And for us to have conversations like we have, I hope all relationships were having these conversations, you know, but I know they're not because they're, they weren't, it wasn't always comfortable, but it was like stuff that, you know, I never heard my parents talk about, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just real, just, you know, it wasn't like super deep, but it was just like conversations you normally don't have, you know, when the kids are around yeah. or different things like that. Uh, but one of the things we talked about was all these prophets, like they're giving these prophecies, but then they're leaving a back door open. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you heard those. God said, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, <laughs> if that don't happen, then we're going to back door over here. Uh-huh. You know, just like, well, you, that's not a prophecy. You yeah. know, I mean, so uh, sometimes I think there's too many prophets. You know, there's people out there that are. Uh, not prophets, but acting like prophets. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, yeah, that's the dangerous one. They're dangerous. not working in the prophetic. They're working in the pathetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, I'm not a big politic guy. My, my wife, I get all my information from her because uh, she's just she's just super intelligent and she remembers all that stuff. But um, it would, it you know, as a, as a podcast that talk about a lot of different things, it, it was probably one of those things we needed to mention right at this time of year so uh we promise promise you won't bore you to death with a lot of this stuff throughout the year but uh we just needed to hit it james what you got something a little bit lighter than that um yeah all right let's I do mean, it unless you're the guys in the story uh, so <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the ones i got is uh, last week there's these two burglars in england and they got caught during their burglary because one of them sat down at one point and he butt dialed the cops on accident. So while they are in the process of robbing, it didn't really say where they were robbing, but whatever store they were robbing, this dude sits down at some point and he dials 999, which I guess is the cop thing for England. I don't know about England. But anyway, he dials it and uh, they pick up and they're just talking about the burglary and how they're doing it and what they're going <laughs> to do. And the cops are just listening to it. So they showed up. And uh, they arrested the dudes. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I wasn't happy for them. They were very unlucky. The uh, And all the cops and everybody were comparing them to the, the burglars in Home Alone because just without the, the beating. But apparently that's a somewhat common thing. Well, not common, but, like, it's happened multiple times. There was another one that the article mentioned that happened a few years ago. This dude was going to uh, – he was trying to steal a car, but he did the same thing. He accidentally dialed 911 while he was, like, planning – the uh, the robbery and then he goes to steal the car and so the cops show up and they and they arrest the dude and the cop like takes his phone out of his pocket and hangs up the phone for yeah so uh you know turn your phones off or you're gonna rob people i guess is the moral of the story well, not just that but there's like gps trackers and all that stuff yeah you so know? they just follow the phone call yeah would you hear <laughs> no well your your phone says you pinged off of this thing while you was calling the cops yeah <laughs> there was another yeah. one that said this guy was trying to rob this tobacco store and he was crawling through the ceiling to like skip the alarms or whatever but then the ceiling broke so he f- so they have it on camera of like him falling through the ceiling in the middle of the tobacco store and then he tries to climb back through that same hole and is not athletic enough to make it happen so the cops get him on that one too 
Come yeah, on, what, what, come what, on, Roberts. What are those awards called for like doing stupid things? Are those, oh, the yeah. Darwin Awards. The Darwin Award. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like it's like you 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 won. These guys won. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Oh, hey, there was one other one I just remember that was in that article. Dude robs a bunch of he steals a bunch of laptops from some elementary school, but he leaves his phone on accident, and uh, <laughs> so the people find his phone at the school, and his mom calls him, and so. They pick up the phone and it was his mom just trying to talk to him, and that was how they got him because he left his phone and then his mom called him. Oh man! Wow. I wonder who issues these awards. Uh, it's probably Florida. Probably Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Florida for sure. Florida. Yep. Well, and that's done. Yeah, no, that's my story. Hey. So. Stacking up the years I spent trading punches with the enemy. Ooh, built myself a double thick stone tower, lies higher than the eye can see. Trapped in my flesh and bone, crying out to you, love. I'm desperate. Love, come rattle this cage and set me free. All of my fears, like Jericho walls, gotta come down. That was Andrew Rip Jericho. Mm. Go check him out. It's a pretty good song. Um, just trying to find some different. I get I get hooked up on the pop hip hop stuff, so I'm trying to search out some different kind of music and just bring some stuff that we probably haven't heard before. So, anyways, Jericho from Andrew Rip. Nice. All right. So, are you saved? How many people out there are saved? Are you really saved? Are you just playing the saved life, or? Are you like the the uh, the guy that worked on his his uh, word processor all day long and never saved, and the lights go out and you lose everything? Mm. Been there. Before. I was wondering where oh, you were going with that. Man, yeah, me too. I was like, where is he? How's he gonna tie this up? Yeah, yeah. That was yep. one of the things they taught me back in college when doing all our uh, music production stuff and all. The, the teacher always say, say, save and save often, save and save yeah. often. He'd say that like twenty times a class. Yep. I remember we, when we got, we got this new software at the job I used to work at, and uh, so I was in, I was in charge of implementing the software because I learned it real fast, and uh, so I had two saw so- I had two sides that we had this like, uh, you know this uh, kind of the test database, and you could go over there and test things out and set up different things like sandbox. that. Sandbox. Yeah, the sandbox exactly, and then if it works, then you put it in the real database. Well, my boss came in and he was just like, hey, man, did you get that stuff done? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I put it in. He says, I've looked. It was like four hours worth of work, right? He said, I can't find it anywhere. And I, so he goes, uh, and then in the little, little box at the top, you can type in where, W-H-E-R-E, mm-hmm. and then it'll tell you what database you're in. I had been working for the last four hours 
in, one. in the wrong <laughs> one. So I had to redo those whole four hours over save again. Save and save often, dude. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they didn't they didn't have the ability to 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 migrate that stuff. Yeah, they, they we could have called them and paid for it, but it's cheaper for me for them <laughs> to, to pay make you me do for it. another four <laughs> hours of work. <laughs> I, you know, I was on salary, so I just had to work late and do it over again. So uh, just got to be careful. <laughs> yep. All right, let's just talk about how do you really know that you are saved? How do you know that you are saved? Mm-hmm. Just a quick answer? Yeah, quick answer. Quick answer. Uh, well, let's let James go first because I can do it quick for real. So the <laughs> <laughs> Bible says uh, if you uh, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you know, so if you've done that, you're saved. Romans 10, 9. Boom. Fact check. That was a quick answer. All right, let's see if you can top it. <laughs> Well, scripture is always good uh, to to reference, uh, but as far as how do you know that you're saved, uh, it's a changing of your nature, and you absolutely know you're different, even though you are the same, and you know you didn't grow you didn't grow a, a platypus lips or whatever, um, you know you uh, you're the same person, but then you're completely different all at the same time. The the things that you wanted to do now you don't want to do them and if you do find yourself doing them you feel really bad right so that's just kind of the surface level answer to yeah, it yeah i would that that's what i would say it's a mindset deal when you're starting to want to do something different right there's a, a life change there's a mindset change there's a i want to do something different not want to do your past and wanting to do uh, this church thing. And, and a lot of people don't know to even know what that means. So when they get saved, they don't know what to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's one of those things that uh, I tell people all the time where, you know, this guy came up the other day and he was just like, so now do I, do I have to stop smoking cigarettes? I'm like, let's, let's get there. You know, you, yeah. you're going to want to do these things. God's going to put, things in your life that you're going to look at those cigarettes and you're going to go, nah, not no more. Yeah. A few years ago, it reminds me of a story. A few years ago, uh, before I came to Elam, I was at another church and, um, and then this guy, you could tell he had a rough past, lived on the streets, uh, sold some stuff, you know, he, he had some inventory, you know, <laughs> but, uh, he, he, uh, he, he kind of calls me and says, he says, do I need to stop smoking weed? And me, I've had a few years of walking for, for the Lord at that time, but you know, the easy answer would be like, yes, stop it. Well, well, that's true. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that the Holy Spirit just held my tongue at that moment. And, uh, what I, what came out instead was, I'm not going to tell you what you should do. You need to know what you need to do. Right. And you need to depend on God to give you that answer. And if I tell you what to do, then I'm robbing you of a testimony. I'm robbing you of your own walk with God. He wants to walk with you. He wants to walk, go through this life with you, show you, empower you, and let you know that he's right there with you. If I just tell you, then you're just relying on my word, and it's not going to mean nothing. Right. You know, so it's like, you know, you should have told him no. I'm not going to do that. Maybe, yeah. maybe you know, maybe a stronger Christian than I would have told them that, but I, I wouldn't have told them that. And you know what? I, I, I don't think I'd still tell people what to do. No, I don't. I don't think you tell them what to do. You know, and I, I'm kind of on that thing like, let's not stop everything, all your sins at once type deal, because that's when, you know, you start going through withdrawals and then you end up falling back. 
you know, so let's take it a step at a time. Uh, if there's any like hard drugs, let's work on that. You know, let's get you some help. Um, you know, especially when you're talking about some, you know, uh, opioids and, and heroin's and different things like that. Let, let's get you some help because you, you're probably not going to be able to do it on your own. Uh, or you can hurt yourself. Or you can, yeah. A lot of those ones, you can, uh, you get real physically dependent on it. Oh, you yeah. right. stop cold turkey, you can. Yeah, so yeah, let's, some let's physical serious, effects. Yeah. Let's get you some help. Not even just effects, like you could die. Like it's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, and then, you know, if it's a case where you need to like find you a Christian, you know, uh, home type deal where they help drug addicts and different things like that. A lot we, of successful ones out there. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, the the ones that I see that work are, you know, a six month program, a yeah. year program. These 30, 60 day, 90 days things that, that they don't work. Um, they get you clean for a while, but there's it's not enough time to uh, for a life change, yeah. you know. Um, and then, but if it's you know if it's and I don't want to say like weed's not a big deal, but if it's those type of things, you need to we need to encourage. Listen, you're not risking death if you yeah, stop yeah. doing it all of a sudden. I would encourage you to do it, but listen, you have to listen to God. Mm-hmm. This is who you're following now. Listen to God. Uh, you know, and I always tell them, listen, there's the Kings in the Bible, you know, uh, God did not want them to drink cause they had a, to lead and they needed a clear mind and those type of things. So as a, as a follower of Christ, you know, he expects, uh, us to uphold a certain standard. And if you're going to go do that, then there's certain things that you have to start dropping off sooner than later. And, and and then be there to walk them through it. You know, it's not just the an answer and then you 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 bounce. But it's one of those things you call them. Hey, how you doing? You know, you working on these things, and then and then let them tell you the things that they're going to be working on, and then you hold them accountable. Yeah, and like a common, I think a common view, of especially from new believers, is that all of a sudden now that you've you know accepted Jesus into your heart, now what that means is you have to abide by a set of do's and don'ts. And that's not really 100% accurate. There are do's and don'ts, but it, but you are not a Christian because you do or do not a certain thing. Right. The thing that makes you a Christian is faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we were talking about in Sunday school, you know, there is such a thing as a good Christian and a bad Christian. And let me tell you what I mean by that. What is a good Christian? A good Christian is somebody that knows the word, reads the word, follows the word, uh, trusts the word to be their their guide, right? And then they follow through with it. That's a good Christian. A bad Christian is somebody that either through ignorance or maybe just out and out disobedience. They know the word. They've read it. They've seen it there. Or again, they're ignorant to it. Uh, but they don't follow through with it. Mm. Does the sacrifice on the cross discount? their bad Christianity. No. And we got to be real careful with that, you know, because right. people, because then people say, well, I can live bad. I can live bad and I can still live in my sin and still be a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. And Paul, the apostle talked about that. He said that where sin is grace abounds even more. Right. But shall we continue to sin because we know that grace is there? And he goes and he says, no, that's you're, you're missing the point here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. He says, God forbid, don't do that. We are not to take advantage of the grace of God but know that the grace of God is for us to grow in, you know, but there's some people that I've met, you've met, you know, we all know here that they just like, well, I'm living in the grace of God and never desire change and transformation. Well, by the words of Tupac, (laughs) 
if there's a ghetto in heaven, that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that in Sunday school, too. Tupac? Well, not Tupac, but the, the ghetto of heaven. Oh, yeah. Streets are made of bronze, not gold, and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, I think it is important to acknowledge, though, that, like, even though I know we were all just talking about, like, basically it taking time to transform and all that stuff, sometimes it does, you know, sometimes... He'll uh, switch you up like that. You know, you go down to the altar, you get saved, and you're immediately changed from, you know, whatever addiction you had. You don't have to worry about it. So it doesn't have to be a six-month process. But I guess don't be discouraged if, for you, it is. Yeah, because because absolutely, and I'm glad you brought that up, because salvation, biblical salvation, is a complete supernatural thing. It's not a natural process. There's natural effects, but that's that comes from a supernatural change, yeah. right? And um, like for me, I, I, whenever whenever I got saved back in uh, this was March 2008, a month after I was in church, right? And it, it, I I went to a concert with my brother. And I was a gigging musician at from since 16, 16 to 19, mm-hmm. um, and I I lived the whole musician life, you know, with a drinking and music and, and you add it all in there right but anyway so now i'm saved my brother bought these concert tickets months beforehand and i'm i'm already feeling guilty like you got these tickets and i don't want to go with you but you know but i'm only a month in too so i don't know all the ins and outs of things yet i don't really know what it is to follow my conviction and 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 hold fast and hold for i'm learning right so Anyway, I'm I'm kind of guilted in, in myself to go to this concert. We go, and uh, as, when we get there, my brother tells me, he said, hey, you want a beer? And that was no big deal a month before that, mm-hmm. two months before that. You know, I was a big drinker. I loved drinking. Um, and, uh, and I was just kind of like... Um, um, so I would go on my phone, and I reach out to the only Christian influences that I, I thought, and one was like, a Jehovah's Witness, and then the other one was not living a gospel-centered life, but they were the only influences of, you know, the, in quotations, Christianity that I had uh, around me. But, you know, so I texted them, nothing came back, and I was like, oh, Jesus, uh, I don't know what to do, you know, so I, I just, I cave in, and I, and I say, yeah, sure. Lord, turn this beer into water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cave in, man, and then, uh, so my brother gets me a beer, and then we're sitting down listening to the music, the opening band and all that and whatever. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, which is I know it's a longer story than I was planning. But here's the thing about that. I used to be able to knock down bottles quick. You know, a, a, a 12 pack a day was not something that was, you know, unheard of for me. One concert beer, even though they are, it's a bigger cup, it's not 12 beers. It took me three and a half hours to finish one cup of beer, sitting on, sipping on that guilt. Yeah, <laughs> sipping. Sit, not, but not not only that, sipping on that shame. But, yeah, <laughs> but my taste buds. Check this out, because oh, wow. I, I loved the taste of beer. Mm-hmm. Okay, but my taste buds, every sip was like, it was like drinking just vile mm-hmm. poison to wow. me. And and at that moment, see, after that moment, I knew one hundred percent. That God had, didn't, had done a work in me as far as alcohol is concerned. And I drank every day. It didn't matter if it was Monday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. I drank every day. So it wasn't like, oh, well, you was a new drinker. Right. No, no, I, I drank. You had that you know, taste for beer. I had the taste for beer. And at that moment, I 
the Holy Spirit reassured me. He said, you are changed. You are transformed and you no longer need this. And I haven't drank a beer ever since then. It's kind of a similar story of, uh, of Brother Calvin. You know, he got saved at the glory in the fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he probably was probably high when he got here because, you know, he just smoked all the time. And then when he went home, he was smoking and he was telling like his boys about his experience when he uh-huh. got saved, you know. Um, but it wasn't a couple of days later, the Lord just was working in his life. And he was just like, man, I'm not doing this no more. Mm-hmm. You know, just one of those experiences that you have. Some, sometimes it's in a, a snap of a finger and sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a longer process. And, um, but you just have to have people around you that will walk you through that. You can't do it on your own, especially when you're dealing with addictions mm-hmm. uh, of any kind, no matter what, if it's drugs, alcohol, you know, pornography, um, food, it doesn't matter. You get to have people to walk you through that. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, one of these things like on this line that we're talking about and that, uh, that I, that I talk to people about too, um, you know, so what do you do? You're saved. You know, you're saved now, you know, that there's a change in your life now. Now what I like to give, uh, my students this, I heard it long ago I've added to it myself, but I call them the lifelines to Christianity, right? And there's five of them. The first one, you pray, never stop praying, right? Never stop praying. Even if you're just unsure, just keep on praying. Right. Second, read your Bible, Mm -hmm. read the word, know the word, get it locked into your heart, right? And, uh, and, and do it consistently, Start anywhere. You know, um, I have another question to follow up on that one, but start anywhere. Just read your Bible. Well, I think that's important because, like, you don't have to have a, a church body building to start those, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can just, I mean, you can do that in your in your quiet time and just you and God type deal. So yeah. it's not like one of those things that you have to have a pastor and all these different, listen, you committed. Now let's get into this. Let's read our word and let's pray because that's the the core foundation to your relationship, right yep. there. Right. You know, right. and and then the rest the rest will come. Right. So pray, read, go to church, <clears throat> find the Bible, believe in, teach in church, go to church, fellowship. Yes. Fellowship. That's different than going to church. Yes, you might have some fellowship whenever you come to church, but that's not the primary purpose of church, right? But fellowship outside of the church walls. You are the church. They are the church. Live life together, we like to say, right? right. Fellowship. Really stir up the gift of God within you and other believers. And then finally, number five, serve. Find out how to serve because we've all seen it. Uh, we've all seen Christians that have just been poured into and there's never a release and there's never an out. There's never an avenue for them to to really express the gifts that God has given them to express. And they get comfortable. And they were, that's why we have, you know, the lazy American church. Right. Because nobody wants to or has an avenue or doesn't know how to. Maybe it's not preached. But once it's all about input and output. You have to do that. So pray, read, go to church, fellowship and serve. I call these the lifelines because if at any point. If only, yeah, at any point, if you just stop doing all of these, but hold on to one, any one of these is going to get you plugged into another one, and then it's going to get you pl- plugged into another one. And But whenever all five of these stop, yeah, you're, you're pretty much, you know, putting the nail in the coffin. You're spiritually dead 
But every single one of these, if you stop reading, you stop going to church, you stop fellowship and you stop serving, but you're still praying, prayer works. Yeah. Prayer will get you back. Prayer will get you back into fellowship, but prayer will get you into into uh, into somebody's line of sight that's going to minister to you and bring you back. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own family that mm-hmm. happened, right? Where all these others stop, even on the li- in the life of the, evi- in the of the individual, all five of these stop, but you got somebody else intercessing for them and praying for them, and then God doing what God does, reconciles them back. And it's a, so lifelines, pray, read, go to church, fellowship, serve. So I have a follow-up to read. So uh, whenever somebody asks you, you know, I'm brand new, um, where should I start reading? What would you tell them? Uh, I would say go to the, the Gospels first, but uh, I would start probably say start in John, you know. Gospels are good. Um, Proverbs are really good. Those are really easy to to read. You can read a chapter. You can read like a paragraph of the Proverbs and you'll have like a proverb or two to think about all day. Those are good. Um, I like, I like James, not just because it has the same name, but because it's, (laughs) it's pretty straightforward and easy to digest. You know, Romans is good. A lot of, there's a, there's a handful of good ones in the Mm -hmm. new Testament that are pretty easy to understand. I think I was told when I came back to God, read a gospel, read the Proverbs and read the Psalms. Yeah. You know, kind of your daily reading, mm-hmm. you know, and then you kind of get a, a little bit of everything in, in those three books. So whenever whenever uh, people would ask me that, I would always tell them John, right? The Gospel of John, always. Uh, but then as, you know, I was going through through reading myself and all that, I just, I, I, my thought process on that has changed and I would tell people go to Romans mm. really go to Romans because that's where that's where the apostle Paul just lays out all the Christian foundation stuff you know yeah. wh- why we believe what we believe and why and uh and the importance of why we believe it but you know there's there's really not a wrong answer I mean there is if you tell somebody we'll start in Genesis let me tell you why you don't start in Genesis <laughs> don't start in the Old Testament well why I started in the Old Testament. I started from book one. And look what happened to him. I know. (laughs) Right. No, but I I start, I found myself, and this is where, in my evangelism, this is where I really, I really saw the effects of that. Because in the Old Testament, it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You see that you you very much see the God of judgment and Mm -hmm. quick wrath, right? So I was very, very judgmental of everybody that I met after I got saved. I would tell them, you better turn your wicked ways or you're going to die and burn in hell. Especially when you (laughs) yourself is like on fire Mm -hmm. because you've done burnt up every sin that you've had and you're, you know, hyper-focused on God. And Mm -hmm. so it's hard for people to look at you besides that judgment you have to say there's anything wrong in your life because you know there's not. You're reading your word, praying to go to bed, you know, all those things that you got going. So like, judge me. The only thing you can do (laughs) is judge me, you know? Uh... But the problem is you're judging people, you yeah. know, so. Yeah. And so that's that's where it was like, man, for me and my fam, my family remembers it. I was, uh, man, I was I was fiery. I was yeah. really fiery. And, and, you know, did I win anybody because of that? No. You know, I mean, people like to to think that you can. Yeah. And maybe there's like one. Right. Of course, when you're talking about probability, well, then one person got saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you ostracized 10,000. 
before yeah. that one. Yeah. And it's like, well, the Bible says and pulling some out of fire. And it's like, you know, you win more bees with honey. Yeah. I was uh, driving down Richie uh, Wednesday after church and there was a guy on the corner. I mean, yelling and telling everybody they were dying and going to hell. And, and I, man, I felt like, I felt like, man, somebody just needs to pull over and just have a conversation with this brother, you know, just like, like I, I, I love his passion, you know, brother Dale always talks about it's easier to, to, uh, it's, it's easier to put a fire out than light a fire. So if somebody's on fire, let them burn, you know, um, because once that fire goes out, it's hard to get people up and to do stuff. Um, but at the same time, like, who are you burning when, when you're on fire? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when people get too close to you, you burning them. Yeah, and I'm sure we've all had personal experiences with with those fiery types, you know. And uh, and you know we've tried. I've tried in the past. I've tried to befriend them, to to kind of walk them through, just you know, give them a little more insight into some of these things. Where I find it to be difficult is not necessarily my relationship with them; is their relationship with everybody else, and yeah. then all the new believers that are around them that are getting hit by you know that fire uh, in quotes again. Um, and it it can be dangerous. Yeah, especially like when you when you're talking about you come out of a uh, a group of people that are not religious at all. This dude looked like he just came out of you know the East Side Crips, <laughs> and you take that same thing back to your that group. You know, you're not nobody's hearing you. Yeah. You know, there ain't no Crips that are gonna just listen to you standing there <laughs> and yell at them with the bullhorn, tell them they're yeah. dying and going to hell. They'd be like, okay, I am. You yeah. know, yeah. I'll meet you there type type attitude. Yeah. But when you come to him and you love on him and you're like, look, homie, I, n- I know where you've been. I was there with you yesterday. You know, let's just let's just have a conversation and that things like that happen yeah. a little bit and, more natural. And, and you know, the, and somebody on that side would say, well, then Jesus preached about hell more than anybody else in the, in the New Testament. Although that's true. But look who he preached to hell to. It was the religious people that he was preaching hell to that way. Those that didn't care, those that weren't Pharisees or Sadducees or anything, mm-hmm. he was loving on them. He was acts of kindness and showing them that that he, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The people that he was really hammering down on were those religious folks that had their ears closed to the truth. Tell me, tell me this: when Jesus was speaking to sinners, what was he doing? He was living life with them, right? Mm-hmm. He was down there on their level, meeting it. Meeting them where they always where they always were, walking down the road with them together, living life with them, uh, just talking to them. Look, I know who you are. I know where you've been. You know, that's okay. But I am, mm-hmm. I am. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, and then who do you get? Like you said, who do you get mad at? You know, he what? Jesus wasn't center, and I was just talking about this on our trip. Jesus wasn't up on the platform, yelling down to sinners. Dying and going to hell, dying and going to hell, dying and going to hell. No, he was living life and yelling at the religious, saying, you need to get together because that's not who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like you think you know. Yeah. But you have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) What was that VH1 thing behind the music? But you have no idea. But you don't know. Yeah, so Romans, I think it's a real good foundational book. But yeah, John, James, 
Jingleheimer yeah. Schmidt. I, I like, His name is. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the the gospels because it really gives you an inside look of who Jesus is. Yeah, yeah, yeah different know? perspectives, different different uh, different eyes, uh, all describing the same thing in their own unique way. Yeah. yeah. Also, you got a lot of in the gospels. You got a lot of uh, you know red letter things that Jesus was Jesus, actually saying, right. and that's like least half of those books if not more yeah 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 all right so yeah and just kind of keeping on the same thought of like now i'm saved now what what do i do and kind of went through those lifelines and um well one of the things that i was encountered with was all those relationships that i had already formed before i came to church and i had plenty friends i was already out of high school whenever i came to meet the lord so you know i was by all intensive purposes, an adult, even though I wasn't an adult at 19. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I was out of high school. I, you know, I could think for myself. I was doing those things. And you develop a lot of relationships and a lot of um, activities that you do in those relationships. So um, I had a I had equally both in an, an easy time breaking off some of them. But I had a, equally a very hard time distancing myself from them and I can honestly say that some relationships I burned that bridge and these are like this I think about them now I shouldn't have burned them but I definitely should have closed them because by burning them down I lost complete connection yeah you know yeah that was one of the tough things for me you know um just because of the the people that I was hanging out with, it was a rough crowd, right? So you I mean you gotta you gotta get jumped in to get in, mm-hmm. you know, and then whatever they feel like for you to get out, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, we were talking about you know street life and different things like that. Uh, so I was a sellout, you know. I was a sellout because I don't know how people do it, especially in that lifestyle that stay in the same neighborhood, stay in the same area. For me, the only way I was able to do it was move. You know, move on the other side of town because not only did you have those issues with like your own people f- feeling like, man, we did all these things together and then I did these things, I took these charges, I, you know, potentially could have took a bullet for you in these shootouts and different things like that. And then now you're just bouncing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, but then you have the other side of all those people that you were shooting at, that you were in these fights with, and then you go to you know places and you changed. You don't hate nobody no more because you love Jesus. But guess what? They don't see yeah. Jesus in me, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so you're constantly looking over your shoulder and while you're standing in line, seeing who's around. Um, so it was easy for me just to move out of the way. Like you were saying, severing the relationship, not burning it. Uh, because... Eventually, I was able to come back, you know, when I felt like that I was strong enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. It took a couple times because once I thought I was there and then I fell back into it. You know, it was one of those things. They were like, man, just come smoke with this. This is da da. And they were blowing it in my face. And I was just like, nah, 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 nah. And the next time I come back, you know, I was trying to get me a little contact <laughs> on it. And then before you know it, I was smoking, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you just have to be make sure that you are ready for it. But you have to be able to cut that that tie off and, and focus on you for a while. Be selfish. I think a lot of times as new believers, we need to be selfish with our own self and make sure that we get into these things that you said, these five, these five things 
work on those things for your while. You've been, you haven't been selfish for a while. You've been out there doing your thing with the people and the, when the world and all that. Now it's time to like look in, yeah, be a little bit of selfish and, and really try to build up who you are. Well, yeah, it's like whenever you're on an airplane, right? And then whenever they're giving you the instructions, if the mask and they come down, if those oxygen masks, right. they said, what do they tell you? Whenever those things come down, what do you have to do first? They said, put it on yourself first. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you think about that, it's like, wow, that's a real selfish thing to do. Well, there's a reason behind that. Because if you can't breathe, you can't help anybody around you. Right. Yeah. So the important thing is you get that air first. Yeah. And then you can help the people that you really want to help. Because a lot of people say, no, I'm, I, I can't leave them. I can't be selfish. It's fine that way. And uh, it's just, but there is such a thing as being too selfish where you're taking up two masks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they say hurt people, hurt people, yeah. heal people, heal people, you know? Yeah. So it's, you got to get to that place where you're healed so you can go out and, and, and share so they can be healed. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, when you get into also, um, cause that was like being around groups and stuff like that, but like relationships, past relationships, maybe you had a, maybe, you know, maybe you had a side chick or a side dude and all that stuff. And then they come calling at two in the morning. You better not pick up that phone. <laughs> You know, yeah. you, you, you're worth more than that. You, your, your value now is found in Christ. So how do you distance yourself from all of that? And, you know, that's like catnip for people. They, they, they need to get their, you know, they got to get their, uh, their little moment there. Right. And um, those are tough things that new believers um, go through. I heard Bizzle talking about it, that he had this side chick and uh, he was basically answering the phone to let her know, you know, uh, about how, you know, he got saved and he wasn't doing this no more. He was going to focus on his relationship. And before he even got off the phone, like, he was falling back in it, you know? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. he, she was like, she ain't got to know, blah, blah, blah. We've made it this far. Why are you doing this to me now? And he mm -hmm. was, then he was just like, maybe you're right, you know, this and that. And then he caught himself. He was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on, you know? Uh, and then, you know, he was just like, I spent too much time on the phone, you know, letting the enemy just really... Uh, trying to change my mind about yeah. what's going on. So you, you got to be careful. those numbers. Yeah, man. you got to, I mean, you, it's got to be a cutoff, you know. You yeah, got to say no and then bounce, like yeah. get out. A lot of people talk a big talk when it comes to that kind of stuff or whatever. Like, yeah, I got that person out of my life, but they got their number on there still yeah. and they're still following them on whatever, yeah. checking up on them. Yeah. And, and yeah, no. And it gets into that, not just only that, right, relationships, but then now you even start talking about like, well, how how is salvation going to affect your career? You know, because now, you know, I have to make a, a, a valid effort into this thing. I have I, I value my faith and uh, and and value means, you know, you're putting a certain dollar amount on what you value. And that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it, uh, that means taking dollars out of somewhere else to invest it in here. Yeah. And, and those kind of things. It's like, well, how much is too much? And some people like to think that it's like, no, I can do, I can still do all of this. But can you really? Can you really, you need, you know, you need time to pray. You know, you need time to read. You got to go to church. You got to invest in God. You need some quiet moments. And is, is that hustle that important? Yeah. I'm not saying it's not important. It's absolutely important. But is it that important? Well, we kind of talked talked about Kanye a little bit, you know, of him giving up a lot of that stuff. But it's a little bit easier when you're worth a billion, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, Lucky Lou, uh, Luciano, he's a rapper here in Houston. And he's, you know, he's been doing rap since, man, early 2000s, maybe the 90s. You know, he was, when SPM was popping in, in, in Houston, um, he was, you know, he was rapping on their label and stuff. Well, he just recently got saved 
you know, earlier this year in like January or whatever. So you're talking about somebody that's probably making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year in in secular rap, right? Yeah. Now this is going to cost you, yeah. right? Because you're, you know, Christian rap don't pay that. No, not unless you unless you on Reach Records or something like that, or you or you have relationships with that record label, it don't pay that. Uh, so now he, you know. Let's see what happens, you know. So he's been doing it a year for a while, man. And I just, you know, keep lifting that brother up. That the Lord just continued to open up, you know, avenues for him to make a little bit of money, so he don't have to go back to that. But that's a big step when you're willing to mm-hmm. let it all go. Yeah, yeah. A, so. few, a few years ago, when this one brother he owned his own business up in Conroe. Um, he, uh, whenever he got saved, and he there was a radical salvation that took place in his life and his family's life that. Um, yeah, I mean, he would he, he closed his shop down for Sundays and all that stuff, and in reverence to God, and he dedicated it to to, to the Lord, and I mean, his business is still up and running now. Yeah. That was you know ten years ago, and it's still flourishing. So you know he he, he made a, a valid push for it, and uh, God honors that. I'm not telling you to go do that now, but uh, <laughs> so so I know this is a little bit off subject, but just just talking about that man about I don't know. 20, 30 years ago, I guess, 30 years ago, no, I was 10. So maybe 20 years ago, before I left the church, there was a guy that got saved and he owned like um, three or four convenience stores, gas stations or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was asking the question. I remember him talking to some adults and I was there listening. Like 30, 40% of his business was beer, Mm. you know? And uh, he was asking like, what do I do now? You know, and there was, of course, there was the opinion of you got to get rid of it. You know, you can't sell beer. And then there's the other side of it was, you know, as long as you're not selling it to people that are already drunk coming in or buying. You can only sell it to other Christians. You know, <laughs> ten, 10 cases at a time. I mean, you know, you have people that don't don't think that, you know, drinking's bad, uh-huh. you know, as long as it's mm-hmm. responsible. So if, if if you have that opinion, then the seller, he can't be bad either. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, it was just one of those things that he had to work out. What did he end up doing? I don't remember. You know, I was only. <laughs> That's four, like the biggest part of the story. Yeah, like, like, what do you do? What do you do? Because I got a stash that I, I got to. Yeah. I think that he took one of the. Now, nah, I don't want to put names out there, but I think he took one of the pastor's um, uh, opinions of as long as, you know, he's responsible the way he sells it, that it would be okay. Yeah. So. I don't know. That it, it, it's difficult. These are difficult I questions. I don't want to have to answer that question to somebody. Yeah. You know, um, because I, I I can bounce back and forth to either side of it and see mm-hmm. uh, see the either side of it. I would, re- I would really have to pray about it before I gave him a, a definite answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I this, now you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we whenever we look at the Bible, we look at those taboo topics. We had a, a great. Uh, the Sunday school um, whole series on this, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, on taboo topics, things that you don't, you know, you don't really talk about. Yeah. But everybody wants to know that you should talk about that you should talk about. Yeah. But but one of them was on drinking, you know, and and we brought up all the scriptures and all those kind of things and all the excuses people use and 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 then all the all the evidence that supports why you shouldn't or you should. But here's here's the thing, right? Um, I will agree with the person that says that you can't find a scripture that says if you drink one beer, you're going to die and go to hell because you're not going to find it in there. It's not going to say that. It's not going to say it's been preached that way. 
I'm not saying here, but just we've heard it. We've all heard it. What it does say is that no drunkard will enter in. Mm-hmm. Now, whose definition of drunk are you going to trust? Your own or God's? God's going to make you blow into the little <laughs> tube when you get to heaven. Like, yeah, nah, you out. Because what, <laughs> what? You're on the ghetto side. You're on the ghetto side. Hey, go talk to, go talk to Pog for me. <laughs> Sun always shines, but it's not quite as bright on that side. It's... <laughs> but it, it's like you know, what, what's the what's the Texas legal standard? I I don't know. Some twenty one. It's point oh. Some I don't remember. Point oh two or something like that. Yeah. No. no if that's if that's it's man, more than that. I think so. If that's okay, man, good, I'm drink another one. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, if that's man standard, right? Don't you think God's standard is going to be a, just a little harder than that? Yeah. You know, so it's like whose whose definition of drunk are you going to? You know, oh, I'm just buzzed. It, your buzz is drunk. Okay, I'm I'm like go home tonight and look around, look around your house, and see what you're responsible for, right? Mm-hmm. And when I go home, when I look around my house, it's not just what I see in my house, but it's the pictures of my older kids and my grandkids, and yeah, yeah. I look upstairs and you know I see my parents that you know, I'm responsible for now and all these things that I'm responsible for. How do I want to be responsible for that? Clear headed, making good decisions, or I'm going to let my day drive what I do at night. You Mm -hmm. know, Oh, I had a bad day. So I feel justified at drinking a little bit and get a little buzzed. Mm -hmm. Now what if, now what if something critical goes down and here I am drunk and now I have to make the most important decision of my life. Um, Am I going to be able to live with myself? Am I going to be able to stand in front of God and say, I, I did the at my best? I'm not going to be able to say that, you know? Yeah. I have enough unwanted sin that comes naturally to me than to go ahead and start picking up weed and drinking and those type of things that yeah. uh, that will even compound the other stuff in my life that I'm, you know, I'm dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah. That we all deal with. Yeah, I think that's one of those things where you got to, like, I mean, with everything, you got to be honest with yourself. A lot of those people that are saying I can have this much and it's fine or I can have that much or whatever, uh, you know, they're always like pushing the limit. And it's like, well, why do you think you should have that much? Is I don't know, Usually they're just not being honest with themselves. Like how, how do they actually feel? How are their abilities? Like you said, if they have to go do something, should they drink anything at all? Is this a, is it, am I going to hell? Cause I had a glass of wine with my dinner when I went to the fancy restaurant for you, is that something that's going to trigger you to do more, or is it not a big deal for you? You know, I think you just got to be. Most people aren't honest with themselves. With and the them other thing stuff. is, like, why? Yeah, there's like all kinds of stuff to drink, and you as a Christian are here debating if you can have alcohol or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it doesn't even make sense. Like, pick something. Why does it have to have alcohol? I mean, I mean, we're living in America where you can have anything that you want. You know. Uh, you, you hear people like 50 Cent, you know, when he goes to a club or whatever and, you know, he he gives the waiter, you know, a big tip and says, just keep bringing them, but don't put no alcohol on them, you know, mm-hmm. because he understands that he's got to make moves, you know. He's trying to do certain things, even in an environment like that. You know, he's at a club type environment and he knows that he has to keep a clear mind. Yeah. So. One of my favorite objections about the whole topic, and we're kind of getting into the drinking thing, right. but, but it's, a really, it's a really big one for new believers. Yeah. They're coming in, change of lifestyle. 
the very thing that they got saved from. They're fighting about, you know, like, well, can I still keep it around? Right. It's like you just got delivered from being an, an abusive alcoholic and you still want to know if you can drink it. Yeah. You're like, Why don't you take a take a sit on the so you don't sit on the curb a little bit. And, uh, and and why don't you find out for yourself? But one of the biggest objections that I find is whenever the uh, Jesus' first miracle, right? His first yeah. public miracle, turning water into wine. People say, well, he did it. Well, first of all, it was a different kind of wine. It wasn't this distilled process like we have. You know, it wasn't your... Uh, it, it, it wasn't your uh, Mad Dog 2020, okay? It was it, it was absolutely different. But the alcohol content's like out the roof, and yeah, it, that stuff is meant to get you drunk. Yeah, mm-hmm. they used wine, uh, especially the Hebrews had wine for many different things, and they had many different types of wine. The wine that Jesus was referring to, and the wine that he made, was a a, a non-alcoholic wine. Whenever he did at the marriage of Canaan. That was a non-alcoholic wine. Uh, I'll be interested to talk to anybody who wants to go further with that, but we can break it down and I'll show you. It was a non-alcoholic wine that he made. I wish I could find that study because I did a study one time, and you you might have it still, that every time I had wine, we searched the word back and found out what that wine was, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, well, the, 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 the Greek word that is used there is oinos, right? And I'm probably killing that pronunciation but you get what i'm talking about oinos right and that means unfermented it has not fermented yet you know what the greek word for a beautiful is what's that pastor david (laughs) (laughs) i'll clamp your claps (laughs) you get them Oh, that was good. That hit, that, that hit different. <laughs> Y'all should have seen his smile on his face when he said that. Uh, anyways, anyway, so moving forward on that, uh, yeah, so most people confuse that with the other one, which is Shakar, which is the fermented one. But uh, always fun to bring up. Is Shakar like an alcohol drink? I think that might be one. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So anyway, just things that, you know, new believers, old believers, hard headed believers still deal with. And uh, like what we're talking about, it has to a transformation has to take place. First, the supernatural transformation. But check this. I think this is this is one thing that people miss. Christians miss all the time because whenever they're talking about God's sanctification, his transform, his transformation in your life. And this one comes out of Romans 12, 2. Let me go ahead and read one just for context. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. There's a, a lot of gold to be found in this, but I just kind of want to drill down right there. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation happens in the life of a Christian by the reading of God's word. And that reading uh, and that understanding, because we got before we read the word, we have to pray for its understanding. But whenever we get that word, it's applied into our heart and it's activated by the Holy Spirit. Right. And then that's where transformation, biblical transformation takes place. A lot of people want to want to they're like, well, I've been serving God for this length of time and this hasn't happened yet. Well, are you reading and are you praying? Are you really seeking what the truth is? Because transformation, this kind of transformation, this sanctification that we're talking about only comes 
by the reading and the the understanding and the application of the word of God. Some people think that it's just like, well, I'll just keep on going to church and wait till it happens. No, there is there has to be an active will on the part of the person. Yeah. You know? and I, th- I think when you when you talk about sin, if you have to debate the sin, it's probably mm-hmm. a good idea you stay away from it until, you yeah. know, you get clarity. Mm-hmm. Well, what, like what's, what's the Bible say, right? When, when you're, you're born again, take that literally. You are a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know any baby that knows what they need to be doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and it's like you you've you're under new management now. You're, you have a, you have a higher authority over your life and not yourself. And you have to take your cues from that authority. Yeah. And uh, but how many, whether young, old, new, whatever, are willing to do that? Yeah. When you talk about sanctification, one of the things that um, when you talk about just over a period of time that I'm going to wait until this happens, my uncle's been preaching the word for a long, long time. I mean, since he's been a, a young, a young man and, uh, he was part of the, you know, the early church here and, and, uh, was under the discipleship of pastor McGee and, and all that stuff. And it wasn't until he always wanted to speak in tongues, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and this was, my uncle is a super, super intelligent person. So he, he knows the Bible front and back but he always wanted to speak in tongues and never was able to speak in tongues. And and uh, it wasn't until he was in his 50s mm. and uh, we was at a men's retreat and uh, the Lord, um, he was literally in the presence of God. And uh, he laid down on the ground and smashed his nose into the floor of this building that we were at and was like, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Um because he was in the presence of God mm-hmm. and then he, he was just trying to get as low as he could because he was in the presence of the Lord. And then the most beautiful thing happened. He literally went through 20, 30 different dialects. Wow. And they were, I mean, we didn't know what they were saying, but you've heard them before, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he went through the Chinese and the Spanish and, and all these different dialects. And I was just like, it was a, it was one of those things like, at first, it was awesome, right? The first twenty minutes, and then like forty-five minutes go by, and then you're and he's like face down, nose smashed, going through these different dialects, and hour and a half goes by, and you're like, "Is he gonna come back?" Yeah, you yeah. know. And then you know, and then but but then you really start thinking about it, like God, whatever was going on in his life, why he didn't speak. For the first 50 years, in, in tongues, the first 50 years, God's doing whatever that was in his life at that time. He was corked up. Yeah. <laughs> and he needed to go through, yeah. he needed to travel the world, you know what I'm saying? And get some some experiences and different things, whatever God was doing in his life. And a couple of hours later, you know, uh, uh, he was telling us the story of like what happened, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Usually, I, I, I'm more on the um, I'm more on the skeptical side of supernatural things. Yeah. Um, because I think I have to be you, be. you know, like what we were talking about right in the beginning. You get everybody has a prophecy. Everybody's saying that this and that and whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, you'd start developing a real bad taste in your mouth for supernatural things. Not the actual things, but it's, it's always the that when somebody says, oh, did you hear somebody say this? It's like, well, we'll see when the evidence comes, you know. Now, I, that's not to say that I don't believe in supernatural things. I, of course I do. If you are a Christian, you have to believe in supernatural things. There's no way around it, yeah. right? But um, 
but I, 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 I trust the word of God. I have a harder time trusting people. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, whenever it's, it comes to those things that are, that are like that, Yeah, you know, it, it's, they happen. They do happen. It was a life changing deal. It was a really, and, and uh, and this doesn't really go with this, but I've seen it happen twice. Mm. One of both sides. So I've seen it happen in uh, with God, and I've seen it happen in, with the enemy. Mm. So we was at uh, this was this one was really scary because um, I'll just tell the story real quick because it's a pretty interesting story. So I was, you know, in the world, you know, I, I, I was doing a lot of different drugs and stuff, and we was at this guy's house, and we was gonna have this ecstasy party or whatever, and uh, he was just like, hey. Uh, this guy's going to come over. Um, he's a little out there, you know, he's kind of a, a devil worshiper or whatever. And uh, so we're just like, whatever, you know, you know. And this is, you just got to remember the crowd that we're in. We're in this very street gangster party. At least my friends were. And we were kind of coming into uh, 1960 was very white back then. And I had, I had got a condo over there. And so I invited all my friends to all this. And, um, so we started taking this ecstasy and stuff, and uh, my buddy, he was just like the hardest gangster there was in the neighborhood. You know, he's kind of like past his time. Like, he should have been in, like, Compton and type, you know, mm-hmm. real hard like that. And we're sitting there, started tripping, and this uh, this guy comes in, you know, the one they warned us about. And then my buddy was just like, I want to go with you. Mm. And I was like, dude, shut up, you know? <laughs> And then that guy walks by and he kept like coming in and ducking in. And then he was just like, I want to go with you. And my buddy got down on his knees and he was like, I want to go with you. And the dude was just like, oh, he thinks I'm God, but I'm just a synthetic God. Like that, just like, but real like big and like devilish, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so we took my buddy to this back room and then he just started raging and uh, it took like five or six of us um, to hold him down, you know, because he was just raging and and uh, then he would go quiet and then kind of got into like this, you know, a baby and a mama's stomach type deal. Yeah, a fetal position. A fetal position. And then he would he would wake up and he was look, looking these women in their eyes and telling them like their deep, darkest secrets and how and he was like talking on the devil's by, behalf about mm-hmm. all the negative things and how he put their uncle and. Mm-hmm. their life to touch them when they wasn't supposed to be touched. And these white women were crying Ooh. because it was true. Yeah. You know? And so this went on for hours and it started to be like almost daylight the next day. And, um, so finally he was just like, uh, y'all got to get him out of here. You know, neighbors are starting to wake up or whatever. So when we left, as soon as we crossed over the threshold on the, the front door, my buddy looks at me and he kind of like shakes his head and he looks at me and he was just like, what just happened? Mm. You know, he was possessed. He was possessed. Right. And so the demon had to like make this choice of like where he was going to be. Mm-hmm. So he decided to stay with this dude, you know? And then, so we took him back to my house, uh, my condo at the time. And he was telling us like he was on this golden pyramid and the devil was sitting at the top and there was just like women and, and gold and money and all that hanging off this pyramid. And he was telling them like the higher he climbs on this pyramid that he could have, he could achieve these different levels. 
And um, but it was just one of those things. And as a guy that grew up in church, I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. But as that guy that was on ecstasy, I just kept taking more ecstasy to deal with the stuff that was going on, you mm-hmm. know. And it was one of those most um, real things that I've ever went through in my life. Who so, invited that guy to the party? <laughs> wow. Man, I, just, I almost get a little bit emotional just talking about it. Yeah. Um, but so just to say that, man, it's, it's real. This supernatural stuff is real on both sides. So that's why when we talk about how do you know that you're saved, mm-hmm. it's important. Yeah. You know, because just as we have these supernatural things where my my uncle was talking in tongues for a couple hours and going through all these dialects where the enemies on the other side try not to let that happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that brings up is, is also just kind of like, because I've had people uh, ask me this over the years. It's like, so can can somebody that's saved get possessed? And the answer I always tell them is no. No, you can't because now God lives in you. The spirit of God lives in your heart. Uh, Jesus talks about this whenever he says about the bind uh, or the strong man that is bound, right? Not unless somebody that's stronger than him binds him up and kick, kicks him out of the house, right? Mm-hmm. And that can't happen because nobody's stronger than Jesus, right? Right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, all that stuff uh, is out there. Also, on that, I was just oppression thinking, and depression mm-hmm. is real. Oh yeah, for a Christian, so you can mm-hmm. be oppressed and depressed. Um, but that doesn't mean you're, you can be possessed. <laughs> yeah. You're not possessed. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, um, uh, also on that is that, you know, um, that darkness, it, it whenever you encounter it, because you can still encounter it. Right. And then, then, then the principalities and the demons and all the, all these things that exist in that darkness, they know what happens in human life. They, they have access to what has taken place in your life, but they are not omniscient. Only God is omniscient, and they are not omnipresent because only God is omnipresent. What does that mean? That means that uh, omniscient is all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere at one time. You can be anywhere. You are everywhere at one time. Satan and his flunkies are not that. They only have access to information that you give them and that you show. Right. But God knows everything. God knows the heart of man. So even even like fortune tellers and those kind of things were people that go to these, you know, to these seers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then they tell them, well, you know, so and so is trying to tell me that you and this and that and whatever. And because they have access to your history. That's that's absolutely true. That's why whenever they hear this, people hear this. They're like, they told me they told me about this that I did. And I did then that that I did. And. It's like, yeah, but they can't tell you anything about your future. Right. They'll lie to you about your future, mm-hmm. but they have access to the past right. through this, you know, demonic possession. Then that's you. If you are a Christian and you're going to these uh, psychics and stuff, I can knock it off. Yeah, for sure. It's just a, it's just a money trap, <laughs> man. A, a lot of that stuff, man. You're reading Hor- the cards. Horoscopes. Horoscopes. Uh, yeah. I mean, just because it's printed in the paper doesn't mean you should be. I read that stuff. Man, I hate when people do that. They're like, well, I'm a Virgo. That's why I'm a jerk. It's like, no, you're a jerk because you're, you're a jerk. jerk. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the month that you're born. You are a jerk. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. There's a line in one of my favorite songs, and it says, uh, talking like a jerk, except you are an actual jerk. And, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it just reminded me of that. That's what yeah, people the- ask me if I believe in ghosts and stuff lots of times. But I'm always like, yeah, of course. I said, sure, there's a lot of nonsense. It's probably not ghost stuff when you hear, like, you know, the ghost stories about this thing moving or whatever. And I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm sure a lot of that is nonsense. But I've heard enough stories, like, 
that you just shared and just experiencing enough stuff with different people. You know, I mean, my grandpa's pastor here for decades and all, like he's thrown out his share of demons and all that stuff. Like, yeah. so yeah, that stuff's real. Adam has a friend that he used to have a podcast that they did on ghosts and different things like oh, that. And yeah, I know that one. I've yeah. that story too. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they used to go ghost hunting and different things. And I used to tell him, I said, be careful what you're looking for. Yeah. I always you might find it. Oh yeah. I, you know? Yeah. Cause his friend that you're talking about is his, the other half of that show was my, the guy who's the best man at my wedding. Right. So they, yeah, they'd go do that stuff and they stopped doing it for a while. Cause he said he got possessed by it. Right. Cause they go to these places that are, you know, haunted or whatever. Yeah. And they just start go around there. They're trying to just get footage of something interesting. Right. <laughs> so they just go provoking whatever, you know, yelling insults to the evil spirit or whatever. And, uh, I, anytime they're talking about that stuff, I said, dude, you don't want to mess with that. Nah. Like, if they, if whatever that thing is actually decides to mess with you, like you've got nothing. Well, just you like know? Pastor Caesar, if you don't have that stronger peace inside of you, guess, <laughs> yeah, who, dude, guess who's taking over? Oh, oh yeah, no, it, no way. And, and you these know, people aren't like Christian dudes, right. you know, like they're nice guys, they're great people, but they, you know, they don't have Jesus living in them. Yeah. So you go up there taunting a demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, you get your teeth kicked in. Yeah, yeah. No, no, for real. And it's like these people that, that, that they're like, you know, I wish, I wish the devil would appear in front of me. I tell him what, you know, uh -huh. and like, um, why do you want to talk to the devil? We, 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 in the first book, we see what happens whenever the devil talks to a human. Listen, you know? man, I've been around it in the old church. Man. Uh, man, I've seen demons tossed out and, and, you know, I thought I was this big bag teenager or whatever. I was hiding under the pews, let me tell yeah. you, because that stuff was scary, bro. I used to know a dude who he was, I think his dad was a youth pastor. He was connected in the church somehow like that. But he was a teenager and he was going through all these doubts and all this stuff. And he was trying to figure out what was true and stuff. And so he went on one of those things that we were talking about where he's going to this place is supposed to be evil just because he's trying to find some kind of spiritual activity just to kind of like validate that these things are real and all this stuff. And so he said that he went there and was like doing everything, you know, playing with the Ouija board, doing all the stuff that you, you're supposed to do to make that stuff work. And he was like, and nothing happened. And that's why I don't believe in God. And then this other person was telling me, this story and was like, yeah, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, he did all the evil things you're supposed to do to communicate with these evil people. Like, why wouldn't they do that? I said, I don't know, man, but maybe if that's what it took for him to not believe in God, like why then they wouldn't show up, you know? And, uh, and they were like, Oh, I never even thought of that. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing. I'm just saying their whole goal is to keep people from God. And so if them not saying anything and being quiet is what it's going to take yeah. for this guy to not believe in God, then of course they're not going to do it. They can do whatever they can. And yeah, I don't, I think that guy's still, uh, an, un, I think he's an atheist to this day, mm. if I'm not mistaken. A quick story. No, they're never quick. Right. But a story on that. This was at the old church. Again, I get this call after a Sunday night service that we had. And his brother calls me and he says, hey, um, can can you go to my mom's house? I'm over here and my brother's here. His brother was in the military. Both were in the military. He was studying, though, the, the brother from church. He was studying here in Houston. But his brother flew in because his, uh, his wife at the time um, decided he wanted to, she wanted to stab her mother-in-law 13 times. Wow. Something like that. In the stomach, mm. and so uh, she did. Wow! And the mom was bleeding out, and 
almost dead, that kind of thing. They got her to the hospital, but she was just recovering. But he called us to go over there because the girl got out from prison or wherever she was. And uh, she was a part of a, a, a Wiccan. She was a Wiccan. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a devil worshiper mm-hmm. and all that stuff. She was a witch. So that night, and it was already, you know, this was after service, and they lived out in Waller. So the drive from Pasadena to Waller, what is that, an hour plus, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm, it's, and it's Sunday night, got to go to work in the morning, you know, in the afternoon uh, at, at, at that point where I was working at. And anyway, so I call a brother of mine. They were like, hey, let's go because this is freaking me out. I don't know what's gonna, what we're going to encounter. The, bro, the, 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 the girl's husband was drunk and passed out. And what the, what the brother from church told me was that he was like really exhibiting possession type of language mm. and, and things that were going on. So me and this brother, which he's a pastor now in Austin, but wow. we, we were, we go out to Waller and it's already, you know, midnight. There's no street lights anywhere. And we're going into like cornfield and stuff like that. And we're thinking we're you never go to the cornfield, man. We're thinking we're like ghostbusters <laughs> or something like that. You know, we're going, we don't know what to expect. To, to encounter man we get there it's like a trailer park kind of thing it's, it's like a, a, a scene out of like a you know a, one of a horror movie. behind the chainsaws <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that whole thing and anyway we get in there we start, we start talking to the brother and he he's you know all sauced up i mean he's he's gone but he's uh he, he asked jesus into his life you know, we were praying over him and stuff like that. So he finally fell asleep, which was really good. We stayed up because we thought that this girl was just going to pop in and be like, you know, ha, I'm here, you know, or something. And we talked to the mom. I mean, it was like you just felt all kinds of wrong. Anyway, that's uh, the, it, it, we survived the night. <laughs> we survived the night. But we, that was definitely a story uh, that we're going to hold on to forever because it was wild, man. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Let's go about ten minutes. Let's let's kind of run through this list real quick and and just end them out on the, on uh, some important uh, topics on this, your list. Let's go. Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's me. All right. So again, let's just reiterate. Pray. Well, what does that mean? Right. What is prayer? And we can uh, we can devote you know semester college semesters devoted to what prayer is. But in simple form, prayer is communication. And communication is a two-way street. It's not just always you talking, but it's also you actively listening. And God speaks. He speaks right. through his word, but he's also, he also speaks through his spirit on your heart. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so learning to, um, you know, uh, well, how, would you, how would you encourage a new believer as far as how, how to discipline themselves in prayer? Well, first of all, don't make it, um, don't make it something that it's... Uh, that becomes bondage in your life. Like I'm going to pray for 45 minutes today, you know, uh, because if, especially for a, a new believer, that's probably not going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then don't try to have some heavenly language. I remember, man, when I first came to the Lord, Oh my goodness. My, <laughs> my, I was praying with a big homie type prayers, you know, uh-huh. uh, because that's who I was. You know, I was, I was talking to God. Like I would talk to, yeah. Whoever and I would I would say you know just <laughs> your, your prayers will evolve when you evolve. How about know? on that other side where people are like you know those daddy God Christians and daddy God? Oh yeah, I just want, oh Father God, Father God, Father God, <laughs> oh daddy, oh daddy, and fill, filler words. Yeah, um, 
but then and and then as you mature, your prayers will mature, you mm-hmm. know. But but you know, I think anything the Bible says, if there's not a vision, you know, it's going to perish. So make sure that you have a, a something that you're a target that you're going to hit. Listen, I'm going to before I go to bed at night, when I wake up in the morning, uh, while I'm driving to work, you know, just put some times out there that you are going to pray and try to stick to them. Don't say I'm going to you know I'm going to pray for 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Just some times that you're going to pray. And then and stick to those those mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. James, what about you, man? How how do you work pr- prayer in your life? For me, I just pray. I always pray at night before I go to sleep, uh, or I'll do it like on my way home from work, or you know, it's always it kind of depends on the day. But mm-hmm. I'll for sure pray at least once when like by the end of the day, um, and then you know every day is different, so I'll do little prayers throughout the day here and there, you know. Those people talk about praying for like 45 minutes, hours straight or whatever. I mean, that's great, man. But I, I guess I'm just not on that level yet, man. <laughs> but I, with all of this stuff, I think it's important to think of it like, like so there's there's a lot of random like fitness and nutrition YouTube channels that I'll follow here and there. And uh, a lot of them, they'll talk about like, you know, if you're trying to reach a certain fitness goal or whatever, you don't really want to follow any of those lose 30 pounds in a month kind of thing or all, you know, 20 pounds in a week, do this and that, like these fad diet things. What you really want is something that you can stick to for the rest of your life and grow with. Because even if, you know, a lot of those diets or whatever, they'll work, you'll lose that 30 pounds in a month if you stick to it. But it's so tough and unrealistic for somebody who's, you know, starting off. That you're not, you know, the next month you're just going to gain that pound, all those 30 pounds right back because you can't stick to it forever. So what you want is something that, you know, maybe the results are a lot slower. Maybe it's a pound a week. But if it's something you can stick to by the end of the year, you lost 52 pounds and the next year you'll keep it off. And so I think that's the same way with all of this stuff. You know, you get saved. You don't need to go that. All right, I'm saved now. I'm doing 45 minutes of prayer a day. I'm reading 10 chapters a day. I mean, that's great. Like we've all been to like maybe youth camps or some kind of men's retreat. And, you know, during that time, you're a lot, you're doing more of that kind of stuff than you might do on your regular life. Right. Which is good. And that's great. But most of us, they don't stick to that. I mean, like how many youth do you see go to youth camp? They get on fire. They're reading every day while they're at youth camp, but then they come back and it's like, I don't have two hours a day to worship God with everybody and then another hour to read and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then a lot of them fall right back off cause it's too much. Right. So I think with all of this stuff, you need to, you know, work up to it. It's just whatever you can do that you can actually do. If it's five minutes a day, you can pray. If you can do that every day, pray that five minutes. And the more you do that, you know, you'll work up Well, maybe it's 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever. Maybe it's a bunch of little prayers throughout the day you know, whatever it is, but it needs to be something that you feel you can actually do long-term, not just for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Setting realistic expectations. Because Otherwise yeah. you burn yourself out and it's, you know, you yeah. won't, you'll gain that weight right back basically. Right. That's good. And then for reading, you know, what does reading mean? Well, again, pray, pray before you read God, give me, give me a spiritual understanding of this stuff. And uh, if you're having tough times navigating through reading, just read through it. Just keep reading. Oh, I don't understand it. Just keep reading. You're, you will just keep on going. It'll be referenced as you learn, as you grow, as you fellowship, you do these other things. It'll start making sense. The important part is read something. Don't put it. Don't necessarily put a hard limit on yourself and say, I have to read this much. Hey, if one word sinks in, that's one word richer that you are for that day. Yeah. You know, so uh, just, I mean, hold yourself accountable 
for sure. But, you know, set some realistic goals for yourself. Yeah. You know? I think reading uh, is, it's important to, more important to read a little and understand it than try to read five chapters and yeah. just, just do it because you would, you, you know, you, I got my, my reading in. Yeah. Yeah. There was this one preacher that, that, Long ago that I that he was talking about that, he said whenever he just became a Christian, he read through the Bible. But then whenever he did it again, he read through it and then he wrote it out himself in a way that he would understand what that was saying. And he did that for the whole Bible. Now, this guy was a walking Bible by the, right. by this time. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it, 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 I read through the Bible when I was locked up. So in in a hundred and something days, you know, mm-hmm. I went to the Bible. But uh, I mean, I, some of it stuck. But I mean, I was I was reading, you know, I mean, I was getting it. Yeah, because uh, that's a lot, lot to read in a short period of time, mm-hmm. especially for us that can't hardly read in the first place. But, um, <laughs> but, but it, for me, it's more important to have a study Bible. Get you a study Bible because what's important about a study Bible in, before every book, it tells you where it's based at, where are these yeah. people, who, who's who's writing it, Background. who are the people, who are the people they're writing it to, uh, what's the big topic that's going on. So that when you start reading, now you can go, okay, it's for these people and for this time and this what's going on. Yeah. So it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Going to church. What does going to church mean? Going to church for me means that whenever you go, you go with the intention that you're going to hear a word from heaven, right? That you are, you are going to hear a word from the throne. You need something. There's something in that day, in that message, in the, in the series of conversations you have with the people that you have that is going to empower you for the week to come. Or for next week. And if it's not for you, well, then it's for you to pass along to somebody else. Whenever you come to church, you come to church to worship God, to uh, to minister unto him. That's the purpose of church. And again, all these topics, we can, we can devote college semesters to each of these things. But coming to church is you have to come with uh, ready to be an active participant in the worship of God. You know, um, because if you don't do that, then church is just going to be a tradition. It's going to be a vain religious act that you do and it's not going to mean much but whenever you intentionally put your butt in the seat and say i'm ready to listen i'm ready to get a word and uh, you will you yeah. will you will get a word uh fellowship how do we properly fellowship pastor david man get some food <laughs> it all starts with not food. At, not at lubies no not, not at, at lubies taqueria is a good place to hit always yeah. Uh, well, it depends on Taqueria, man. You get sketchy I, stuff sometimes. I think I think this one's real important, you know, mm-hmm. because we can do a lot of reading. We can do a lot of, you know, um, of, of studying the word, praying. But um, as people, as there's two sides of it. There's a spiritual side and there's a physical side. Um, our physical side needs companionship, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, our spiritual side needs uh somebody to, to feed into our spiritual side. So you get that from other people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then if you have people around you to hold you accountable. Uh, but I think as, especially as, as Christians, sometimes we miss uh, being too spiritual, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, we can't just hang out without being, you know, oh, God is good all the time, yeah. all the time. God is good, which is, that's true. But, you know, sometimes men need to be men. Mm-hmm. We need to have fun together. We need to, to hang out and, and talk about um, music and talk about other <laughs> other need things. To make fun of your bald head. Yeah, you know, like we do here. Actually, what we do here <laughs> is for fellowship. Yeah. you know, a fellowship yeah. on the microphone and just cut up and and there Turn is nine time, years old again. Yeah, and there's time to get serious. There is time to get serious and and, and hold one another accountable and mm-hmm. see where we are um, uh, spiritually and those type of things, but. 
being able just to hang out with other people and um, know that if, if I ever need Caesar, I know Caesar's there. If I ever need yeah. James, I know James is there. Um, to have those people in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was really good that you added that on your list of stuff because a lot of people uh, they don't that don't grow up doing church stuff and you know they're new to the faith. They don't know how to hang out and have a good time without getting high or getting drunk or whatever. You say, hey, we're gonna have a party, but. Like they don't know how to even have a party unless it involves all that stuff. So it's really, I think it's really important to like have good people to hang out with, yeah, and to fellowship with other Christians. Say, oh, you can have a good time without doing all this sinful stuff, and this yeah, is how. Absolutely, you know? I've been to I've been to parties and get-togethers where uh, where you get new people that come in and then they see everybody with a red solo cup, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> and they're like, "What's in there? What's going on? What, what's going on?" Right there, change that double cup yeah, right, right there, Stifo. <laughs> Double stacked. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Fellowship, super important. Last one, serve. What does it mean? Well, serve your church, serve uh, the body of Christ. And what is it? And I, this one's really big for me because it, uh, it, this is the part where it, it allows you to root yourself in your place of worship, your local place of worship. You need to be able to root yourself in the house of God that you go to. Um, right now, you know, with uh, modern times being the way that they are, we get a lot of people that are just, you know, how does, uh, how does Brother Korean say it? He said they're kangaroos always hopping from church to church. Right? <laughs> and, and there you go. Right? Always hopping from church to church. There's so much to be said about people that stick around yeah you know and that they stick it out and they root themselves and they 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 nourish that that uh that soil there um um, but they they also give you know they give back as well they take and they give they take and they give and that's a healthy that's a healthy part of of a of a proper spiritual diet i guess Mm -hmm. because if you i mean think about it in the natural if you only eat 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 and there's never any output you're just gonna get bigger and rounder Right. The, this, the other thing is, it's like a refrigerator that you put food in and you never take nothing out of. Mm-hmm. The stuff is just going to go in there and rot. Yeah, right? yeah. you get spoiled. It's going to get spoiled, and there's there's nothing. Gonna, it's got to go both ways. You got to put stuff in. You got to take stuff out. And I think it's one of the things that it's especially for a new Christian, not brand new Christian, but for a Christian that's trying to grow. Is have him have him lead, lead a Bible study. Not necessarily because he's going to be a preacher one day. And I know when everybody gets to become a Christian, they think they're supposed to be a pastor. Oh yeah, they think they're supposed to be a Sunday school teacher. No, but for a younger Christian, it's it's good to have them lead Bible studies and different things like that. Because if you can teach it, you know it, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It's one of those things. That if I know it, I can teach it. If I don't know it, I can't teach it. Uh, so to have them in that position where they're, they're they're taking what they know, and that might not be the best Bible study there ever, but it's allowing him to be able to <laughs> to grow, hold him accountable because he yeah, needs yeah. to be yeah. studying his word yeah. and different things like that. Okay, listen, you're going to be teaching a Bible study with the, us four in the room. You right. know, uh, don't put him up on the big stage where he has to sit in front of seventy people and teach a Bible. Even study. though that's where they want to be. Yeah, you know, yeah. eventually that's where they, you know, oh God, it's called me to be a pastor. No, you just got off the streets. God ain't <laughs> called you to do that yet. <laughs> Settle down, biggin'. Yeah, yeah, sit down. Sit down for a little bit. Uh, And then uh, just a word of uh, encouragement to our single brothers and sisters out there. Don't don't use any of these things to be a dirt bag, okay? And and, and that's and that's the guys and girls don't don't do that. It's like it's like, hey sister, you know, why don't we go and have a Bible study together? Uh It's like you know full well 
You know, your intention might be, yeah, we're going to start out reading the Bible, but then, it, you know, it ain't Bible study and chill. You this already ain't study more than the Bible here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. You got real close yeah, to the mic. You got to talk about it. Hey, brothers and sisters. Let me talk to you. Yeah, don't do not do that. Don't be like. Tonight we Bible study on 104.9. Yeah, nah. You know, I discourage our young people of, you know, that are of the opposite sex to, 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 do those things together right it's like you know with a with a community of believers that's fine but uh there's a lot of one-on-one things that young people shouldn't be doing man dog <laughs> i'll tell you but we, that's that's for another episode <laughs> here at the refuge project but yeah just one more time the lifelines to christianity that's what i want to title it pray read go to church fellowship and serve one more time pray read go to church fellowship and serve Serve. Make sure you get in there and serve, and that'll hold you accountable. If you're needed, you'll keep coming back. People will realize that you're not around. Yeah. They'll call you, uh, all those things, so it keeps you connected. Serving's huge. Uh, you're not just a number in the crowd. It's like going to college from high school. You know, high school, everybody knew your name. They knew when you mm-hmm. were, was in your seat, when you wasn't in your seat. You go to college, you're just a number in a big a big room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, you can get caught up in that same thing at church. Uh, get involved, serve, you know, even if it's the, the, the smaller things or whatever it may be. That Bring you, some donuts to Sunday school. Yeah. There we go. Exactly. That's oh, what I'm talking about. See, they, 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 Everybody <laughs> likes the guy that brings the donuts. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. you did something, you committed, you don't, you show, you don't show up next week. You got no donuts. Everybody says, Hey, hey, where's the donut where's the guy? Donut? But let me tell you real quick on this note on Sunday school, if you want to be elevated to the status of legend, you bring breakfast tacos and good, and, and yeah, good, good ones. ones. That's yeah. what y'all do over there in y'all Sunday school. Not every time, okay. but, but whenever when they do, do woo! Yeah. Y'all you, holler at me. I'm you, just in the sound booth. Hey, Bobby will do that when we have like a pastor's convocation or some kind of special thing where mm-hmm. you got to get here real early or something. Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll bring some tacos. Oh, yeah. All the early morning uh, band practice or whatever. Yeah, some, if it's a random thing, it's not like the usual stuff. Sometimes yeah. he'll... Uh, <laughs> you know, in the, in the Old Testament... Holler at me, Bobby. Yeah, in the join old te- the youth. Join the praise team. <laughs> For real. In, in the Old Testament, in the in the, uh, in the the Spanish version, the, the Spanish version of the Bible and the, in the KJV version, Reina Valera, right? Whenever you look at into it, whenever it talks about the sacrifices that were to be placed on the altar, it says that God told him to bring the carne asada. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. What? I love my Jesus. I don't know how about you. <laughs> Man, be careful of those up. translations, you know. What's James got over there in his cup? And you better bring that carnage. So that God's Mexican. Uh, I'm talking God about. is Mexican. I know it. Well, thanks for joining us. We had a great time. Listen, if you know some people out there that are just getting saved, or or, or they're thinking about it, and, and you've been talking to them about Jesus, and or they just got saved. Send them a link to the Refuge Project. Let them hear what we have to say. Maybe that'll open up some questions they could ask you, or you can send them to one of us, and we would love to talk to them about this man named Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see you next week. We love you. Peace. This is the Refuge Project. Save and save often.